Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got my friend David Matthews of David Matthews Outfitters on the line. David, how you doing? Good, Jay. It's always always good to hear from you and chat with you. Yeah, for sure. We're looking at a March 18th deadline over in New Mexico, and you guide both in Arizona and in New Mexico, so I'm sure you've been fielding quite a few calls for the New Mexico deadline. Yeah, it's uh, it's a busy time of year for us. We always get super busy with the New Mexico stuff. Uh, guys applying, you know, recommendations on units, all of that good stuff for about two weeks before the draw deadlines. Now, David, um, tell us, uh, the listeners who haven't heard you on the podcast uh, before, and I encourage the listeners to go back, find the episodes where David's been on, um, but Tell us a little bit about uh, your experience guiding in New Mexico as far as, you know, is it heavily weighted towards elk, deer, you know, sheep? What, what's your main primary focus? And talk a little bit about your service there in New Mexico. Yes, sir. Well, we, we provide a service for, for all of the big game species in New Mexico. Um, we tend to take uh, more deer and elk hunters than anything, but we do... We do uh, you know, we do got the exotic species, the ibex and awdad and, and oryx also. Um, you know, our our elk is primarily on the Gila um, units 15, 16D, and 16A. Um, our deer units are primarily the units uh, surrounding the hickoria, you know, the 2A, 2B, 2C, 7, 5B, those units up there. David, I want to talk, um, we'll get into it, but I want to talk about your overall feelings about Arizona and New Mexico both, and if it's pretty much the same feeling, you can categorize them like that, but if, if you've got you know, ideas in, in both states and maybe how they differ, but just going into this draw period, obviously the Arizona elk uh, and antelope applications, the draw was just completed, and you know, that everyone's card got hit, and then we just found out on Friday what everybody actually got. But as far as moisture goes, you know, we're looking at Arizona uh, deer and sheep applications due here in uh, June, and obviously we're staring right in the middle of, of, you know, New Mexico's application on the 18th. What is your condition outlook for, um, you know, vegetation and antler growth and, you know, overall moisture and how, how things are being uh, received out there? I think, honestly, I think this year is, is pretty similar to, to what we had last year, you know, moisture-wise. I think we're going we're gonna to see great antler growth um, throughout, throughout all species. Uh, across the southwest again you know i think it it should be it should be just as good as last year and and you know god willing we get a few more spring rains and and uh and and maybe maybe even a little bit better than last year that would be that would be awesome in regards to the arizona strip and we'll get to new mexico here in a second uh, i know you spent a lot of time up on the arizona strip and you had a really good year last year as far as antler growth and you know for someone that's only been up there three or four times myself, my question would be, you know, how does that place just continue to kick out the giant deer? And do you feel like every, with the conditions that we know them as of right now, do you think next, this next season will be every bit as good as the last? I, I honestly do think that this next season will be 
just as good as last season. I really do up there. It's been, uh, you know, if you keep track of the storms that are hitting and, and the amount that it's actually dropping, I think we're we're fairly similar uh, right now um, to date as as what we were, you know, looking in, looking at last year. Um, I really really think, you know, and this is my own opinion. Some guys have their own opinion on, on how we consistently kill big deer up there, and I really think that um, my honest opinion is I think that trail cameras do help. Um, I think that, that some deer are are living to an age where where they they get to reach, you know, maybe not their max potential, but, you know, actually reach a potential um, that that guys are, are, are getting to a uh, past deer that they wouldn't have shot in the past um, because they have knowledge of, of a better deer in the area. So you actually go with the, it, it makes total sense. I hadn't really thought of that scenario um, where, you know, there's been, you know, so many people down on trail cameras and, and this, that, and the other, but you're taking the approach that actually some deer, it saved their lives because, of the guides like yourself and others that run cameras up in that country, you may have a hunter pass a buck that normally if you didn't know the inventory and know what was there, you might have that buck shot, whereas you're saying that the cameras actually might be helping some of that longevity and, and helping some of that age class and, and bigger bucks. Is that is that what you're saying? I, I That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, I... I I really don't know, you know, as far as, as getting these bucks, you know, um, into the seven or eight, you know, range. Uh, a lot of the deer aren't making that range anymore or that age class, but I do think that a lot of bucks are getting getting to be that four or five that wouldn't wouldn't have just for the simple fact that, that the guides, you know, like myself and, and a lot of these great guides uh, that hunt the Arizona Strip, um, you know, we're actually passing bucks that, that would have been shot 10 years ago, 15 years ago on this exact hunt just just because we're in there, um, you know, we have our target buck and we're in there for a specific buck. Sure, makes sense. Um, as we shift over into New Mexico, um, I believe you really got um, going over in New Mexico uh, working with Marvin James, uh, who has passed away. Um, talk a little bit about that relationship and how you kind of got started um, running around with Marvin and doing a lot of those hunts because I knew he used to be real heavy in New Mexico. Yeah, Marvin. Marvin was was big in New Mexico. Um, you know, he did his fair fair share in Arizona also, but he really he really helped New Mexico. Um, you know, he he. I think he really. He was a big part of the the platform of, of of trophy game in New Mexico. You know, I think that he, you know, I think he came in with the knowledge of of, of trophy hunting, you know, or, or with a desire of trophy hunting, and and came into New Mexico and and started started trying to um, actually, you know, kill the quality of animals that that New Mexico is is being better known for now. Um, I think that he he was a big part in, in in letting guys know out there that you know New Mexico does have trophy potential in in some of these units and and you know as far as guys that haven't been applying forever I think it's it's awesome just for the simple fact that there's no preference points you know guys that haven't been applying they can they can apply and they have the same chance of drawing these trophy hunts as as you or I you know. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's one thing when we, you know, we're sitting here talking about New Mexico that, you know, everybody's on a level playing field, and the reality is you could draw, you know, multiple tags, and you could hit a dry spell and not draw for 10 years, but you could draw back-to-back, or you could draw, you know, very close. Um, So, I mean, with all of the species, it's one of those things that if you're not applying in New Mexico, in my mind, it's crazy because you have just as good a chance as anyone to draw. Exactly, exactly. Um, Okay, let's talk about, um, I know you really, I mean, you love elk, but you really, really love your deer. Um, Let's start with deer first, actually, in New Mexico. You mentioned some of the units around the Hickoria. Um, I I believe there's some changes in some season dates and different things and some of the twos and and whatnot. Um, Talk about the deer uh, hunting and, and maybe go through some of the units that you like. Okay. Well, I like, uh, like I said, I do like all those units around the Hickoria, the 2A, 2B, 2C, 5B7. Um, I think that uh, this year, this year, um, as far as the late hunts go, uh, they seem, they're later dates than they normally are. Um, just for the simple fact that um, New Mexico seasons primarily start on a Saturday. So the first Saturday of November is actually November 7th. So uh, that pushes all the dates back um, on those deer hunts. So, you know, the 2C hunt, when, when it could have, um, on some years, it could have a November 9th or November, you know, November, even the November 8th. You know, it could have a start date this year. It actually starts on the 14th. So it, it just pushes... It pushes those hunts back um, closer to the rut, you know, um, and and that's a big one is that two C hunt. The the two B hunt you don't you don't generally see any rut, but like I said, that two B hunt is is a migratory hunt, you know. So you're you're actually pushing it further into the into the you know early migration or or mid migration for that hunt, you know. So you'll see more deer numbers, you know. The quality bucks could be there by then, you know. It, it's one of those things where uh, where you know the the actual dates um, push it later into the season, which make it make it awesome. So, and when you say that that's a migratory hunt, I assume those deer are coming off. Where are they coming from? Yeah, those those deer in two two B they come uh, out of southern Colorado, and um, you know, and then you get a a good portion of deer that actually migrate off the Hickory Indian Reservation. So, so, I mean, there's it, a chance it, for a bomber buck to slip through there with those later dates. I mean, do you think the yep. 14th, how late does it go? So it starts on the 14th. Okay. So the 2B hunt is actually the week before. So it starts on the 7th. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the, the 2C hunt is the only one that starts on the 14th, but the 2B hunt actually starts on the 7th. So, you know, where it could have been a, a start date of, of November 2nd, right. you know, or the 1st even, you know, if it was a Saturday. But uh, but you but actually still, have, I mean, you get into that first week in November and, you know, mm-hmm. if we had cold snaps and snows and pushing those deer and cold enough that those deer up on their feet, I mean, you know how it is. Yep. You know, people say, oh, well, temperature doesn't matter. It's the timing and it's the light and it's the photo period. And it's, but... I've just noticed when you have cold snaps and you have deer on their feet, they seem to, especially when you get around the rut, whether you're talking mule deer or coos deer, 
you know, whatever. If you've got cold weather, you've got, you know, some snow on the ground, potentially those bucks are going to be sniffing around and, and checking yeah, those. Yeah, cruising, cruising, cruising. You know, they'll they'll be out for the cruise and, and you know, checking does and, you know, and, and checking where they're at, you know, checking uh, progression in estrus, you know, those type of things. So, yeah, it's it's the cruise, you know. We like, we like to see that. And if it's cold weather um, on those dates, and um, it all falls in line, you could potentially even see that on that hunt. Yes, sir. I know you've um, taken the auction hunters and stuff in New Mexico for deer, and, uh, you know, New Mexico is just not known for the quality of deer that, say, Arizona has or Colorado mm -hmm. has. Can you speak mm -hmm. a little bit towards the quality um, and what maybe holds New Mexico back from having consistent quality across the board? I I don't honestly I don't know what holds them back um, with with consistent quality. I do see, you know, New Mexico in my opinion has some of the best um, genetics as far as frame wise. You know, you actually see it in in the in the record books. You know, Rio Rebra County has just as many record book entries as as anywhere in the country. But it's it's all for the big four point frame. You know, I don't I don't think that they necessarily carry a lot of the the non-typical uh you know genetic um and it seems like in new mexico when you do find these really crazy non-typicals they're just got these little short squatty frames you know so it, it it's rare to find a buck that actually has the frame plus the plus the non-typical you know uh genetic that actually sprouts some of the not big non-typical genes in new mexico some of those mule deer hunts um, up there in that country, also there's an archery hunt that runs late in the year. I've always heard that one of the big challenges with that hunt is, is crunchy snow and hard for archers to get around and put stocks on deer without you know, giving away their position. Um, what are your thoughts on those hunts? I, I, I personally love the hunt um, just because it's later in the year and you see a lot of deer. Um, you can see some bomber bucks down on the winter range, you know. Uh, I mean, as as far as the bucks, what, what's going to be there will be there by then, you know. So you'll have everything everything that's going to be in the area will be there by then, you know, that are going to migrate into that into those migration units. Um, the The downfall of it is, is the crunchy snow if you have the crunchy snow you know if if the snow is good um it's it's awesome you know what i'm saying and and sure. and and also we've seen like this year the first few days of the archery hunt this year we saw it you know negative 15 negative 17 in the morning wow unfortunately when it gets that chilly you know deer movement deer movement isn't real optimal in the morning you know uh, i think i think we were seeing a lot of the deer start moving about 10 10 to 2 on those days that it was that it was really chilly in the morning so you could have the cold temperature you know that that restricts the movement in the morning and evening and and the crunchy snow those are the only downfalls of that hunt other than that it's it's an awesome hunt. It's it's a super fun hunt. You're looking at a lot of deer, looking over, you know, a lot of bucks, you know, trying to choose the right one and, and actually get after it. So let's shift focus a little bit over to the exotics and then we'll finish with L. Okay. Talk about talk about uh, the exotics that you do hunt and some of those hunts. Okay. Well, we do um, in New Mexico. We do oryx. 
which you know primarily on on you know one of the ranges is is a once in a lifetime hunt or once in a lifetime draw actually so you draw it you're you're done hunting it and that that hunt is a is a super fun hunt orcs are 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 basically a giant antelope you know they've got a great eyes um you know and they love to run you know so if you if you uh if if you're not careful you could be chasing them long long you know a long ways um they're fun to hunt you know it's it's pretty high success rate um if you can shoot it's high success rate you see a lot of them um you know it's just trying to choose if you want that you know 35 to 37 you know possibly 40 inch type bull or if you or if you just want the longer because the actual the, the cows are actually um horn lengthwise longer than the bulls so that that's a fun hunt we have a lot of fun doing it we also do ibex um it's uh down in the florida mountains um if if you haven't heard about it it is uh it is it is a tough hunt it, it i mean physically it's it's physically demanding and it, but it's a lot of fun man they are they're super fun to sit back and just watch they they can maneuver through some of the some of the you know the harshest country um that you think is impassable and all of a sudden you know suddenly you just see an ibex just walk across a you know what looks like just just a rock face you know or, or run across it and and bounce from this rock to that rock you know a thousand thousand vertical feet you know um you like know. it's nothing yeah, like it's nothing. They're just cool critters to watch. Uh, we also do Barbary sheep um, down, you know, down in the southeast corner of the state, and, you know, near Texas. Uh, they're all free-range Barbary sheep, and and I really, as far as as far as a hunt, they they're super fun to hunt too. It's it's not a cakewalk. They're they're not an an easy critter to hunt or or even find. You know, they're you you find a few here and there, but it you know finding a good one, uh, you know, could take a few days. And but but once you have it, um, you really appreciate the hunt. You know, and and most of the country that you're actually in is is what they call the poor man's sheep hunt it really is it's a it's a true hunt and it's it'll uh physically it'll it'll get to you too before we get into elk um i want to talk a little bit about your optics i know you spend a lot of time okay. glassing and um curious what you're carrying in your chest uh pouch or you know on your chest and curious what your kind of go-to everyday putting on a tripod glass is Yep, I uh well I carry on my chest the ten by fifty Swaros. Um I don't I don't know if I'll ever change that. Those are those are my go to. Um I love them. You know, they're the, the EL range or the just the no, uh, no, EL. I I've got i I'm old school. I've got the SLCs. The ten by fifty SLCs, you know. Um I I, lo- I I had those for years and loved them. They're really, really good. Yeah, I actually had this this year. I had a uh, one of my guys that I take quite frequently. He he uh, he asked me what I would like, you know, tip wise, and he he gave me he gave me a set of ten by forty two Leica GeoVids with rangefinder. Um, I actually had I carry those in my backpack, you know, in case we need in case we need range on something. But uh, yeah, I, I always have those ten fifties uh, on my chest. Um, I, okay. I generally. I generally do my long glass with 15s, um, and then the evaluation with the with the 95 millimeter Swaro. Okay. 
Good stuff. Um, and then, do you do any of the bighorn sheep hunts in New Mexico? We do. We do bighorn sheep hunts also. Um, it's not every year we get a guy, but I mean, we do. We have a bunch of guys apply for it, and and if they draw it, then then we'll take them. You know, spend the time down there and in glass, and and you know, find try and find the best ram and and harvest it. Yes, sir. All right, and then let's dive into elk. Um, you mentioned the Gila and 16A, 16D. Um, let's talk about the Gila first, the 15s uh, units. Uh, okay. Talk about them. Okay, well, I think uh, this year um, was the first time in a, in a couple years that we'd, actually, that we'd actually really seen really good antler growth. Um, we were chasing some, some killer bulls all year. We killed a couple really good bulls. Uh, we missed some, some dandies um, on some of the hunts this year. But I think this year, I mean, this year, uh, looking at the, you know, the moisture that we've had in, in those areas, I think that we're, we're on track to, to have a year like we did last year where there's plenty of, plenty of good, good antler growth out there and, you know, some dense antlers and, and to keep them, you know, from, from breaking up too bad. Um, I think, I think we're on schedule to, to see an awesome, awesome, uh, antler growth year on the Gila this year also. What units there, um, Talk about Unit 15, and then we'll talk about the 16s after that. Okay, Unit 15 is is you know I, a lot of guys when when they talk historically about the about the Gila, they automatically think about Unit 15. A lot of guys have hunted it. A lot of guys, you know, have been there hunting with a buddy. You know, Unit 15 is 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 still good. Unit 15 is always going to be good. Um, they they do give out a few more tags in that unit. Um, over the 16 or the you know 16d or 16a um that's that's really the only downfall but the the unit is is three times larger than you know 16d and and 16a you know so i i think the extra tags are are dispersed pretty evenly you know it's got good elk country almost from east to west you know north to south it's it's killer you know so it, it disperses the hunters you know pretty evenly so you're never really tripping over guys you might see guys on the road you know in the morning before hunts or or after hunts in the evening but but rarely run into guys in the in, in the field so unit 15 is good um, um it'll always be good it's it's really good uh, now, when you were saying you were on some dandies, were you meaning some good ones in 15, or were you saying... Yeah, no. Yeah, we we, ha- we were on a couple good ones in 15. We actually had this year, we had a we had a bull that we thought, you know, probably be in that 380 range uh, that that I was chasing around with a guy that, that, we, that we actually missed with a bow at 40 yards. Um, oh, so, uh, yeah, we were, we were chasing him around by the time the, the muzzleloader, cause we had, we didn't have any of the first muzzleloader season hunters in that unit, but by the time the second, the second season came around, he had, he, he was off the cows and, and, and back in some brush and, and we didn't turn him up on that hunt, on the, on the muzzleloader hunt, but we chased him during the archery season all, all season and, and actually missed him. Uh, um, had a great opportunity at him too. So, but yeah. No, there there was some really good bulls in fifteen that that we were chasing around also. Well, it's good to see what they'll look like this year, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, oh, I mean, I mean, he'll probably be in the same area. So, I mean, we're crossing our fingers, hoping. So, yep. All right, sixteen A and sixteen D. 
16 a and 16 d are are awesome um you know we had a we had a big burn in 16 d two years ago now so uh it kind of it, in my opinion i think it forced uh some of the elk out of the unit um just because it burned a good a good portion of the unit so they they all went south into 16a and and all of those elk were in the north end of the 16a for a year but uh they're starting to filter back into that that fresh burn and i i think with that fresh burn i think uh you know the sky's the limit really on, on what could actually grow in that unit this year i think i think we'll see some giants uh growing 16d this year um 16a you know it's it's just as good as always it's 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 consistent you know really consistent on on the quality it's it's one of the be better units in the state you know 16d 16a in my opinion they they kind of flip-flop on on which one's producing the better bulls and 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 you know for a few years here in the last couple of years 16a has produced some better bulls but i i really think this year i think we're going to see some 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 really big bulls in 16d now you're talking archery and firearm season right yes sir yep archery and firearm yep and didn't they bump the dates of the firearm season back and do you think that's yeah. going to make that hunt quite a bit tougher and do you think it's going to actually save some bulls lives well this my opinion on that hunt is um you know every single year um, I, I think I've, I've been I've been over there, you know, for for going on 20 years, and um, every single year I think I've only seen it maybe two or three times in, in the amount of time that I've spent over there, where where you actually go into that firearm season, the general firearm season, um, with the elk just rutting their guts out still, you know. So so most of the time the elk are are primarily done, you know, with the rut. Um, and, and then I, and a lot of the bulls, you know, you could catch them on that first rifle season and what I call the cool down, you know, where they, where they pull off the cows and they go find a deep, dark canyon and they don't move, you know, they, they sit in one spot and basically eat as much as they can and, and, you know, close to water and drink what they can. And, and they're not real visible on, on the, on the feed yet, you know? So I think, I think honestly, in my opinion, I think, you know, if it's, an average year i think i think the bulls are going to be past that cool down stage and you're going to catch them on the brushy you know in the brushy canyons and and that type of stuff for that hunt so i think i think it's going to be good in my in my opinion just because you're not you're going to have um they'll be settled know, more, down a little bit more yeah exactly they'll be settled down out, out of the rut and they'll be cooled down and they'll be on the food real heavy and and that'll be the only thing that's on their mind trying to trying to fatten up you know um you know after the rut so in other words if you know if you know where to go and you know where to look it's probably going to make that hunt better yeah i think so i think if you know where to go and you know where to look and you know where the bulls like to winter and you know where the bulls like to hang out you know post rut I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be good. I think, you know, like I said, I think the bulls are going to be. They're going to be on the food. and They're going to be hungry, and and they'll be feeding, you know, really well in the morning and evening, and which will make it a better hunt. You know, you'll be able to look at more bulls and 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 pick out the bull you want and know that he's not going to move very far. You know, when you actually go in after him to kill him. So. David, I want to take a quick second here. I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I also want to thank the listeners for their avid support of this podcast. 
Um, guys, with, with the sponsors that I have of this podcast, it allows me to put the time into it that I do. I want to thank GoHunt.com, Cody Nelson, my friend of 20-plus years. I call him the glassing guru. He's the optics authority. He's the manager over there at the GoHunt gear shop. If you have any optical needs at all, you can give him a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can also send him an email at optics at gohunt.com or you can text or call him on his cell phone, 602-399-3699. I also want to thank GoHunt Insider and remind you guys it's application season. If you're looking for the best up-to-date, most accurate draw odds, you can go to gohunt.com forward slash Scott. Follow the prompt. You're going to automatically get a $50 GoHunt uh, gift, gift card uh, to the gear shop. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, you can find out more by going to the uh, Kuyu website. That's kuiu.com. That's kuiu.com. Kuyu.com. Uh, that's all the the ultralight gear that I wear on all of my hunts and have since 2010. Uh, Phonescope.com. Use the J Scott 20 promo code to get a 10% off uh, discount there at Phonescope. Uh, onxmaps.com, use the jscott20 promo code to get a 20% discount on all orders. And then Apex Ammunition, go to Apex Munition, that's A-P-E-X Munition.com. Uh, David, I want to ask you a question about uh, trail cameras, and I've, I've talked to you before about this. I'm just curious if there's any new models that you're really liking, uh, you know, any upgrades, anything new that you're using in your trail cameras. Man, I, I, I haven't really switched it up yet. I mean, I've tried some of the, the newer models, but I still really think, you know, the G34, um, you know, the, the 4K Stealth, um, those are those are my go-to right now. They they take great pictures. Battery life is is good. You know, um, that's 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 my go-to right now. And and until they maybe change it up and and come out with something drastic, maybe they maybe they'll make a camera that takes just as good of pictures and and batteries last for two years. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be hard to beat those. You know, if you. On the Ot Six, um, we run the same thing: the G34 Pro and the um, 4Ks. And I don't know if you're anything like me. I almost get to where I just want to check the videos, and and I, I don't like looking at pictures near as much as videos. Are you the same way? Yeah, no, I love I, I love watching the videos. <laughs> I, you pretty much know once you've watched the videos what pictures you have, you know. Um, yeah. But I really those those. The video is unreal. I mean, you really sit back and watch it, and it's uh, how it can be so clear at night is is crazy to me. Um, I love it. You know, it's 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 one it's one thing that I really love to do. You know, whether whether it was you know uh, scouting for a hunt or not, I, I really love just checking cameras and and getting cool pictures. And you're one of the. I mean, you have cameras running lots of times, 365. I mean, just all over different states, just constantly running, right? Yes, sir. I've got I've got a lot of cameras in right now, but I still have a lot of cameras out. So, um, yeah, I, I love I love running cameras all year round to to just catch. And it may not even it may not even be the biggest animals that you're catching on camera. Maybe you catch something cool. You know, uh, who knows what it might be? A bobcat carrying a rabbit in its mouth, you know, things like that. I, I love stuff like that. So, 
I mean, it keeps you energized when you're just checking, you know, camera after camera after camera for sure. Um, yes, sir. Talk a little bit about a couple of things that you see when you're out checking your cameras, maybe some things that you've learned that maybe other people don't know and hang in cameras. You know, are there any specific things that you see like, man, that guy's camera's facing the wrong way or it's, you know, it's at the wrong angle or it's the wrong height? What kind of tell us a little bit about maybe some tips that you have for hanging cameras for successful and maybe it might be different for elk or deer. Yeah, no, I mean, there are some tips that I have that are, are things that I try and do, uh, you know, and keep in mind when I'm hanging cameras or, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff is, is you know, I always, always try and have the camera, if I can, um, pointed north. You know, if, if, if it's pointed east or west or even south, it seems like, you know, during prime time in the evening, you know, in the daylight still or, or morning, it seems like you could catch sun glare and, and it could glare, you know, wash your picture completely out. So I, I, try, and, I try and keep the camera pointed north as, as much as possible. It, it, it you know, it keeps, the, it keeps the glare off of, you know, the sunrise or sunset or, or midday sun. Um, it keeps that glare down to a minimum. Um, you know, I think I think uh, placement as far as height-wise, uh, when you're placing for elk or deer, um, you know, be mindful of, of the animal size that you're actually placing the camera for. A lot of times guys will, will place a, a deer camera a little bit too high and, and you miss, you know, the deer's legs. All you're catching are, are deer bodies and deer heads. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's cool to actually have the entire critter um, in the camera, you know. Uh, with that being said, I do have some coos deer salt licks that, that have elk come in to to the salt lick and and it seems like you know if the elk's heads up you don't you don't catch anything but body yeah. so uh, yeah. it, it's kind of a it's kind of a bummer both ways but if you have coos deer sets you know and they're four coos deer then then you can't be too bummed when when a when an elk walks in and all you catch are brow tines and you're like oh man that thing could be giant you know yeah. your mind your, your mind builds it to anything it oh for sure and, and then you get the like the next video and it's like a five by six and you're like gosh he looked big yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so uh just be mindful on 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 height you know the height that you're either setting on trees or posts um for for the animal that you're actually setting you know uh those i i, I really enjoy having pictures where you can see the entire animal you know from hoof to hoof to tip of horn you know so um, what about as far as trail coming in if you know let's just say using a clock, you had a trail coming in at, you know, from 2 o'clock, you know, angling down to, say, you know, 7 o'clock or something at that angle, how would you yeah. set, orient your camera to catch that path, you know, of progress coming in? Are you going to do perpendicular? Are you going to do more, at, you know, have them coming right at you and going away? What, what's your strategy there? I, I like to do perpendicular, you know, um, ju just because the broadside is is cool. You know, you get the broadside, uh, the broadside of the can of the animal actually walking by. Um, with that being said, um, you know, don't set it directly on the trail, especially a lot of these new cameras. It seems like it seems like uh, 
you know, if they're set too close, you're going to miss you're going to miss what you want to see. So set it back set it back a ways. You know, a lot of these cameras' new sensors are are awesome. They're going to trigger they're going to trigger at you know 50 feet or, or or 60 feet. You know, so set it back. You know, a lot of these cameras are are super. You know, the the quality of them are awesome. Also, so you don't really have to worry about you know something walking by too far away and taking a picture and not being able to zoom in and actually tell what it is. So. Uh, on trails and, and things like that, I'll, I'll generally set back, you know, I'll set back, you know, anywhere from 40 to 60 feet, you know, on a trail and and, and go from there, you know, and, and have them walking by on the full broadside shot, so. Good stuff, man. Well, um, thanks for sharing with us today. I want to give you a chance to let people know how they can reach out for uh, to talk to you. I know we've got this March 18th deadline coming up in New Mexico, so if you would, let people know how they can find you. Yes, yeah. Um, you guys can either email me at uh, dmoutfitters at hotmail.com or call me directly, uh, 928-300-6405. And, and, you know, even if you have questions about it, you guys don't want to apply in the Outfitters draw, give me a call. I'll, I'll, I love talking hunting. Let's talk some hunting. Right on, buddy. Thanks so much for sharing with us, uh, David. God bless, and uh, I'll, I'll see you down the road. Be safe. All right. Thank you, Jay. All right. Take care. All right. Bye.